Welcome to Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. In today's episode, Dr. Amy DeWaters, a general internist and associate professor of medicine at Penn State, shares her advice to medical students on ways to handle the stress that comes with residency interviews, how to know if you have enough interviews, and more. Here's AMA senior news writer, Brendan Murphy. Hello, and welcome to Making the Rounds, a podcast by the American Medical Association. I'm Brendan Murphy, senior news writer at the AMA. Today, we continue our Meet Your Match series with Dr. Amy DeWaters, Associate Professor of Medicine in the Division of General Internal Medicine at Penn State. Dr. DeWaters was also just named Interim Director for the Penn State College of Medicine's Health System Science Office. Congratulations on that. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. So Dr. DeWaters has been working with students on the match for a number of years, and today we're going to be getting advice for her on some of the interview season anxiety students might be experiencing. That includes what to do if you aren't getting enough interviews, how to avoid comparing yourself to your peers, and how to try to alleviate the pressure of these high-stakes encounters. I think a good place to start off is, Dr. DeWaters, if you could just talk about the capacity in which you work with students during residency selection. Yeah, absolutely. So... I am a general internist. As a general internist, I mainly end up advising students who are applying into the residency of internal medicine. And for the last four years, I was the co-director of our internal medicine residency application committee. So me and my colleague, Dr. Nick Duca, would work together to advise the 20 to 30 students who were applying into internal medicine and give them advice on how best to go about the process. Uh, I'm not doing that this year, which I, I have to say I'm missing quite a bit, but uh, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it for the previous four years when I did it. So you're not doing that this year, but here you are on a podcast. So you're helping so many more than those couple dozen students that you would be helping. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's helpful. <laughs> well, I know we're glad to have you. Um, at this point, there may be a bit of interview anxiety for some applicants on a number of topics that we're going to cover, but uh, in that light and speaking generally, what type of concerns do you hear from applicants at this point in the process? Usually by October, you have a lot of concerns about the number of interviews. People want to know how many interviews they should have, when they should expect to hear, and when they need to be concerned. Um, and there's also a fair amount of concern about how do you go about the interview process, especially with what's happened over the last couple of years with doing interviews over Zoom. One of the big questions I will get is how do I actually figure out what the culture of a place is like? There can be a fair amount of anxiety surrounding that. Well, thank you for bringing that up. I should point out that we have an episode in the Meet Your Match series that's dedicated entirely <laughs> to assessing program culture in remote interviews. So if you look back through our channel to our listeners, you can find that and a few other topics. Um, looking at that number of interviews, at what point should they be concerned about their interview invite numbers? Is there a number that they should be shooting for as applicants? Yeah, that's a great, great set of questions. So there really is no magic number and you need to keep in mind that every specialty is very different, which is why I think it's very important that you have a mentor from your specialty who understands what the application process is like in the current year. Because keep in mind that things have also changed drastically over the years with specialties. 
Um, so I think it's really important that you develop that mentor relationship in your field so that they can help guide you on the number of interviews. There is no magic number. What I will say for internal medicine is I tell the, the individuals I'm mentoring, please let me know if you have not received an interview invite by the end of November. I'd like to get together with you. We need to relook at the list you put together of where you applied, and we need to think about whether or not we need to broaden that list. So for internal medicine, I really consider it end of November when we need to start thinking about, boy, do we need to change our strategy here if you haven't gotten an, an invite for an interview yet? That's a great insight. And I know this is specialty dependent, but I should point out that in 2021, the number of median invites for matched applicants was 14. But again, that is very specialty dependent. Does when you get the interview invite matter? You know, not, not really. I ended up getting my interview invite to the place I ended up ranking um, very high on my list that I ended up matching into. I think I didn't get that interview invite until late December. And I didn't actually interview, I don't think, until January. Now, you can't quote me on that because I'm old and my memory is not good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think <laughs> that's true. So I, I tend to tell my mentees, be excited if you get an interview. Don't worry if it's set up for later in the year. Just be excited about the interview. So we got into this a little earlier, but what are some of the reasons these interview figures might be lower and are they addressable? Yeah, so sometimes the number of interviews you get might be lower because it's possible that you just applied to programs that the programs are looking at your application and they're not entirely sure you're a good fit for their program. Um, let me give you an example. If let's say a program has a really strong emphasis on scholarship and you happen to not be that interested in research and you decided to build a list that has very scholarship focused institutions on your list. Well, those institutions might look at your application and they might think, boy, we're not sure they're the right fit. We really prioritize scholarship. Scholarship does not seem to be a big part of their professional identity. Um, so in that case, you might need to go back and look at your list and say, does the list of institutions really match what I'm looking for out of a residency program? So I think that mismatch between what your application highlights in terms of your strengths and what the institution prioritizes can sometimes lead to a low number of interviews. And what do you do if your number is low? I think if your number is low, the number one thing you can do is reach out to a mentor and ask their advice on reviewing your list. Somebody who's knowledgeable in the area. And I think that can sometimes be hard for students because they might feel that most faculty members are knowledgeable, but the reality is that's probably not true. Um, the type of mentors who would have knowledge about these things are your APDs, your PDs, your clerkship directors, your student affairs dean and your medical school who are used to going through this process every year. And you can meet with them and say, will you take a look at my list? Make sure you think I've applied to the right programs for me. And is it worth it to apply to additional programs? I think so. 
I have encouraged many of my applicants to apply to to additional programs. And it has worked out for several of them. Several of them have ended up not only loving those programs, but ranking them quite highly and matching there. So I think applying to additional programs can be a successful strategy. At least I've seen it be the case in internal medicine. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization, leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. How should you go about picking the additional programs? I assume that students made some sort of list and maybe there was a cutoff. How have you gone through students with it in the past? Sometimes what we'll do is we'll sit down and we'll review their personal statement. Um, we start, I try to start with a place of values alignment. You want your values to align with the values of the institution you end up with. So if being in a rural area and participating in rural health is really important to you, then we should be broadening our scope to look at any possible program in a rural area. So first step is always to make sure that you're staying true to what you value and you're picking programs that match that. I think the next step is making sure that you are including programs that you may not have thought of before, which is where it can really help to use a network because it's really hard to figure out what a program is like or what an institution is like, but hey, your mentor may have this friend who works at this program you had never heard of, and it's a really great program. And it sounds like it would exactly meet your needs. So I think utilizing your network can help you pick out more programs to apply to as well. Can it also maybe help you get interviews if you reach out to people while you're after you've applied while you're waiting? Is that a measure you would recommend? Have you seen it work? I have seen people ask their mentors to reach out for them. And I've seen people, you know, frequently a question is, should I send an email to a program director at a specific program and ask for an interview? In my personal experience, I can only speak anecdotally, but in my personal experience, I have not seen emails to program directors from the applicant themselves be all that successful in getting an interview. I don't think it hurts your prospects, so I think you can try it. In terms of the mentors reaching out, I think that can be more successful because there's a trusted relationship there that helps vouch for you and your and your skills. So there is a part of the process that student applicants maybe can have an effect on, and that is interview distribution. There has been, especially in the virtual era, I don't know that these are especially founded, but there have been some expressed concerns about the prospect of interview hoarding. Can you talk to what that might look like and how students can be judicious and, and sort of help their colleagues by taking only the interviews they need? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing I would say is that the interview process is exhausting, <laughs> especially if you're introverted like me. Uh, <laughs> if you're an introvert, you're going to feel 
really tired by the end of interview season. Um, it's a full day of really being on the entire day, answering a lot of questions and asking a lot of questions. And so you want to think about that and be mindful of that when you're planning your interview schedule, because you're not going to have the energy for 30 interviews. So I think, again, a way to be helpful to your colleagues and preserve your own wellness would be to really look at the programs that you feel like match your values best from what you can gather from your external review before you've interviewed. And, and do not be afraid to decline an interview if you feel like, you know what, I did apply, I'm looking at this, it doesn't seem like it's gonna be a good fit. It's okay to decline an interview. That's very helpful that it can also help your peers, but also help your own performance, which I don't think many people consider when they're looking at these invitations. So when it comes to the actual interviews, all students want to maximize their performance. It's likely a little more important if you have fewer interviews. What can you do to maximize your performance? Prep, prep, prep. I think preparation is key. So you, a lot of schools will do a great job of scheduling interview prep sessions. So your medical school may already be planning this. In the off chance that they're not planning this, a trusted friend, family members, a colleague, somebody you know should really prep you by asking you interview questions and making sure you're ready with some, with some clear, succinct answers. So preparation is a way to probably assuage some anxiety, which is what we're here to do today. But also there is just pressure associated with these interviews. They're high stakes. Yep. How can students maybe not internalize that pressure? How can they deal with it in the most healthy way? I think that we put a lot of pressure on these interviews because of a couple of reasons. I think everyone has this internal fear that they're not going to match. And you need to recognize that statistically, it's highly likely you will match. Um, but I also think that we sometimes feel like there's only one path or one way to get to our career that we dream of. And if there's anything I've learned, it's that there's actually a million different ways to get to the career you want. And so many people are able to build the careers they want, taking a very unique route. So I think realizing that not as much relies on this as you may think, but in the long run, you can still build the career you want, regardless of the outcome. Um, and I really think that's true. So I think another common trap, and this is certainly not unique to medical students and residency applicants, is that you compare yourself to your peers. Is there a way to avoid that? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Shut down social media. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not going to be a very popular suggestion. So <laughs> um, I, I think it's really tough not to compare yourself to your peers. I think one of the things you do need to recognize, though, is that specialties are completely different and that people, even though you're, you may be comparing yourself to people applying to the same specialty, their list may look totally different than your list. 
and you probably don't have a great idea of what everybody else's list looks like. So be mindful of the fact that before you compare, understand you probably don't have all the information and comparisons probably are not all that helpful. I have heard of medical schools that don't let people talk about the match during certain hours of the day and have match-free zones and things like that. So if you can just get out of sort of this mono focus, I imagine that is helpful. Absolutely. Oh, I had not heard of that before. That's a great idea. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of my big pieces of advice is don't lose the stuff you love. Make sure you make time every single day for the stuff you love. So if you're a runner, go running. And that should be your time to to break out of the match, the match brain. How did that apply to you when you were an applicant? For me, I was very, very into the arts. And so when I was an applicant, I tried to go to museums. I tried to go to the orchestra. I tried to go to um, ballets and just help stay engaged in the things I really love and break away a little bit from just thinking about match all the time. Recently, I've started floral design arranging, which has been very good for getting away from work. <laughs> These are certainly outlets that you will be able to have through your entire career as you've shown us. Yeah. So I guess the encouraging anecdotes you could maybe provide, and I know that you have some because we've spoken for a story, which is on the AMA websites, <laughs> about instances in which applicants have applied to number of programs, gotten very few interviews and matched. Have you seen that work? And is it encouraging for applicants this year? I absolutely have seen that work. So I have mentored applicants who have only gotten one interview and came in very late and they're going into the match with that one interview in that one rank and and they match and they've gone to that program and absolutely loved it and and so i've seen that work and i know it'll be different for some of the specialties maybe you know internal medicine can't be general generally applied in that regard but um, there have been some pretty amazing success stories I've seen, even though people did not have what would be considered a robust interview season. So we do always hear it only takes one program, and you've seen that it actually is applicable and true. Absolutely. We have covered a lot of ground, and I think our medical student listeners will be grateful, but is there anything else on this topic you would like to add? I guess I would say try to do everything you can to enjoy the process and remember that they're not just evaluating you you're also evaluating them and i think students sometimes forget that and they enter into this mindset of it's all about me impressing them it's all about what i've done and i'd really like to empower students out there to think a lot about what they want from programs and what they're looking for in a training program and to really try to pursue that meaningfully. So that would be my last piece of advice. Well, that's great advice. And we are so grateful for your time. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Waters. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank all our listeners for joining us on Meet Your Match. I'm AMA senior news writer, Brendan Murphy. We'll see you next time. 
You can subscribe to Making the Rounds and other great AMA podcasts anywhere you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.